and I was at the game because we had a kid, Willie Dersh, who was a yeah, Willie was a good player. He went to Virginia, ninety six. Yeah, he was he was um, he was a McDonald's All American the same year. So I went out to Pittsburgh, spent a week out there, you know, with the watching the McDonald's. I mean, you know, I I might have said hello to Kobe. I don't, I wouldn't say I knew him sure. or anything, but I did get to see him play in that McDonald's game uh, in nineteen ninety six in Pittsburgh. <laughs> You gotta handle the rock with flair and rhythm if you wanna be judged on wood grain and concrete courts in New York. This ain't no nickel and dime. It's dribbling dimes where scoring never looked this good. I guarantee it. But was your reputation built from the playground up? Or did you call next and they took that ish? All cause you weren't as fast as police and ambulance sirens. Or as loud as Mr. Softy ice cream. No. You see, this is New York City hoops in prime time. As beautiful as the skyline, it's dribbling dimes. What's up, everybody? This is Manny Digital. Welcome to another episode of Dribbling Dimes. Um, I'm sitting here with the chairman of the CHSAA. Um, Mr. Paul Gilvary. Paul, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. My pleasure. Um, I, I, I usually go down a long introduction for our guests, but I feel like being the chairman of the Catholic High School League is such a, a kind of a big thing in and of itself. Um, and that's kind of where I want to stay, um, talking about kind of your experience with that, how, how you got into that, um, and, and just the, the dominance I feel like the, the league has had, particularly from a basketball context. Obviously, there's, there's many sports under the umbrella, um, but given the context of this podcast, we're going to focus on the basketball. Um, when I talk to the athletes that come on the show, and of course, you have to take into account the bias because most of them have come through the, the Catholic High School League, um, but they, without doubt, say that the CHSAA is probably one of the top three leagues in all the nation. And I'm expecting you to say something similar, just given your stature. But, like, you see basketball, I'm sure, beyond just your own league, right? Do you have any thoughts or, like, context that you can give us as to th where it sits as far as the national landscape is? Sure. I, I, think, I think at one time we were – indisputably the best basketball league in the country. Uh, unfortunately, the landscape of high school basketball has changed a little bit where um, kids now feel like they need to go to prep schools or they need to uh, get out of the city yep. um, for whatever reason. Uh, and so that has reduced a little bit maybe some of the, the talent level that we might have had, you know, say in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. Um, but even with that, we produce probably in an average year 12 to 15 Division One players. Wow. Um, you know, this year we have a McDonald's All-American, um, R.J. Davis from Stepanak. Yep. We've produced numerous McDonald's All-Americans over the years, numerous pros, NBA Hall of Famers. You know, so our history would be very hard to match. If you're looking, you know, today – uh, there are terrific Catholic school leagues in Philadelphia, yep. in the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area, Chicago, um, you know, probably at a couple other spots. I, I would say we would be very comparable with all of those. Our best teams can generally play with the best teams anywhere. Hmm. 
until um, today. You said. Even even yeah. today, yeah. Um, you know, uh, we're not going to play with the basketball factories. You know, the right. schools that only exist for basketball, right. because that's not what we're about. That's a whole you know, different. We're, we're about education. We're about um, uh, developing students, developing young young athletes, developing people into into people of moral character. You know, there's more to the CHSAA. Basketball is just, just one aspect exactly. in this case. Exactly. Right. We look at basketball, what we try and do, we talk to our coaches all the time about this. Basketball should be an extension of the classroom, mm -hmm. you know, and you're the teacher as a coach, and you're teaching your subject area, of course, basketball. Sure. But you also should be teaching some other things too, life skills, um, how to deal with adversity, how to win with class, how to lose with, you know, all those things, um, how to treat each other, showing respect for the officials, for the, you know, players on the other team. These are all things that are really important to us and that we really try and stress with our coaches and with our athletes because we want, when somebody comes to a game, we want a Catholic high school game to look different than just any other high school game you would go to. Like from you the should, disciplinary perspective, like from how everything, carry the whole atmosphere. Okay. You know? Like we start every game with with reading a code of conduct mm -hmm. and the teams shake hands before the game. Right. They shake hands after the game also. But we shake hands before the game to try and emphasize the importance that good sportsmanship should play should play, no matter how competitive the game is, no matter what the rivalry is, no matter what's at stake. There are still other things that you have to have. And so we, we are striving to try and have like a, like a certain atmosphere so that if you come into a CHSAA game and you didn't know it, you would say, this is, this is good. I like be, what I see here. It would be an experience that they probably haven't encountered had they not been there. Exactly. Got right. it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I have several bones to pick with you. And, <laughs> and I, I'm saying you because you're the That's head okay. honcho. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> one, one of them, and I think people are going to kill me for this because it's probably counterintuitive to what most fans would want. I think the price point for a game in the Catholic High School League is too low. Too low? I think it's too low. Really? Now, okay. Take that with a grain of salt. The guys who run the league will be happy to hear that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not advocating for us to jack it up substantially. but I, So I also understand, you know, you have to make it affordable for a wide variety of people, right? right? Um, so I totally get that. But I, if I'm looking at it just from the lens of caliber of play, right? Talent, the way coaching happens, all of the different uh, variables that go into it, um, the venues in a lot of cases – there is such a high level. Like, you know, we live in New York. Um, the Knicks are my big favorite team. I don't want to watch the Knicks. I want to watch, you know, my alma mater, the, the Ravens play or Stepanak play. Like, I really enjoy that. And I don't know if it's because I've been away from the area for over a decade or it's because I just feel like it is more dominant than a lot of what I'm seeing, even at higher levels of play. So, if it were me, I'd toy with the idea of bumping it up a couple bucks. Well, we've talked about it. And, and to be honest, like if you look, we play um, in the AA division. We have our quarterfinals at Fordham on a Sunday. Yeah. Okay? We play four games. The top eight teams in the, in the league are playing. You can get into that quadruple header, if you will, for $10. 10 bucks. I know. There is no better basketball bargain in the country I, than I, coming that day I, and I, watching those four games for $10. Now, again, I don't want people to misunderstand what I'm saying. I am not saying I have all the money in the world and I have no problem. That's not what I'm saying. Right. I just understand value. And the $10 for four, 
and and I know people look at fresh like if you have like a triple header with one school, right? Or right. two schools rather. Usually that's five dollars, yeah. Right. Yeah. So but even from the freshman level all the way through the varsity, the premier game, right? All the levels are really high. Right. Uh, granted, freshman is going to be not comparable to varsity, but you still see a high level of play. I I almost I cringe. I, I joke with the people that take the money. So I said, look, can I just give you five more bucks? And they look at me like, are you nuts? Um, but I seriously think and maybe jacking it up is not the option. Right. But but I think there's more value to to gain for the organization because you guys have put out, out such a great product, a consistent product across the landscape for so long. Um, I just feel like, man, there's there's got to be some more, you know, juice out of out of that. Yeah, no, I understand, it. and and you know, one of the, we we've we've talked about it, and one of our concerns is, you know, alienating like, folks. Well, if if you're a parent, okay, and you're coming to your son's game, yeah, all right, you're already paying tuition for yeah. him to come to the school, yeah, yeah, you know, and now you have to pay, you know, he plays 24 games, you know, yeah, home yeah, and yeah. away, and. So, you know, we don't want to make it like a, a burden for the families, for brothers and sisters. We certainly don't want to charge too much for our own students. Right. We'd love to have them come. Yeah. Um, so usually that's like $2, you know, for a student sure. to come in. Um, we're really trying, we're not really looking to make money as much as encourage people to come, you know. And if you look at our, our quarterfinals, our semifinals, which are also at Fordham this mm -hmm. year, and our finals, those three dates, we will get tremendous crowd. It doesn't matter who's playing. We will get tremendous crowds to Fordham on all three dates. Yeah. Just basketball fans. Mm -hmm. They may not have anything to do with the schools, but like they know that on that Sunday in March, this year it's March 15th, at 3 o'clock, the double-A championship is going to go off. We'll have 2,500 people at Fordham that day because they want to see a real good basketball game. Yeah. So we make a little money on the playoffs. Sure. We don't make much money during the regular during season. season. So – uh, it helps to pay our expenses, and and we try and put on a first class, um, uh, you know, um, presentation, and and make it so that the kids really leave with with great memories of their time in the league. Which, you know, if you talk to former players in the league, most of them will tell you that. I, that, I, have, I can't think of was, yeah. I can't think of one that has had a bad experience or yeah. anything negative yeah. to well, say. Well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's awesome. Um, w when you talk about coming to games, right, um, throughout the regular season time the time in which these games are played tends to play a part in particularly for me it makes it difficult i live about an hour away so i'm kind of the outlier mm -hmm. in most of this but um after work most people is obviously when they have the time i know that that changed i think i understand why but i like to understand like why the times have changed well basically what a lot of <laughs> a lot of the games were basically a tuesday friday league okay. for all league games okay and on Tuesday, most of the schools play at 4 o'clock with the hopes that the student body will stay around and come. Mm -hmm. um, also, to play a night game on a school night might not be the best thing yeah. because if you play a 7.30 game on a Tuesday, you can do it. Sure. If the two schools are very close together, it's not that much of an issue. But if one school is really traveling, you know, to play like if Z Stepanak is going to Zavarian yeah. in Brooklyn, Brooklyn yeah. it'd be tough to play a 7.30 game on a school Got night, it. you know, because yeah. they wouldn't get home till, till very late. The One of the most unique things about the CHSAA is not the Tuesdays, because a lot of high school leagues play 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's the Friday triple header. Yeah. If you talk to our coaches, if you talk to CHSA fans, 
They love the Friday triple header. And to play that freshman game at 4 and the JV at 545 and the varsity at 730, have the whole program together. Generally, the younger kids stay after they finish playing their game. They stay to watch the varsity. Uh, The crowd builds as the night goes on, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you get your nice big crowd for your varsity. Um, Not a lot of leagues do that. Not a lot of leagues play night games like that. Not a lot of leagues play triple headers. Uh, matter of fact, not a lot of leagues have three levels like we do. Okay, right. You know? Um, and even leagues that do, that have JV, they very few have freshmen. The leagues that have JV, um, a lot of them, you know, the JVs play 10 games or they play 12 games, you know? It's it's kind of like, um, I don't know, it's like a, it's better than intramurals, but not much, Got you know? It. yeah. Our lower levels, our freshmen in JV, they play a full 22-game season. We have full playoffs, city championships on both levels, you know? So it's a big deal. No, it is. And, and if you come to those playoff games, it's incredible. It's packed we, house. We hosted the freshman and JV uh, city championships in the AA level here at St. Raymond's last year. I was here. We sold out. We turned people away at the door. I was one of them. <laughs> I snuck back in. Yeah, I was well, you have, <laughs> you have influence. <laughs> but... Um, but it was phenomenal. It yeah. was fun. and what an atmosphere it was, and what a great game they put on that that freshman game. So I, br- I brought my daughter. She's uh, well at the time she was eleven, uh, and th- that was probably her first real high school basketball experience, and she was blown away. Like yeah. after we always talk about her playing ball at a relatively high level, like you know high school, um, and if she's lucky enough to go to college and play, that, that would be awesome. But I think that cemented in her head that particular game you just referenced cemented in her head i really want to play high school basketball because if it can be like this i want that now granted we live out of the city right so it's not the same kind of atmosphere but now that's stuck in her head so i i I totally comprehend and i'm I'm glad that that still happened one of the reasons that game was so great is there was so many students here st raymond's freshman cardinal hayes freshman coming to support their their teammates in that freshman championship game. And some studs um, to, to match. Terrific to players. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Names you're going to hear about over the next couple of years for sure. Right. But um, that would be one thing I would like to improve on if I could in our league. And I, I've i tried things, you know, we're never going to give up, is to have more students come to the games. Mm-hmm. Years ago, that's been one big change. We asked them, you know, about what's changed in the league. Years ago, our crowd was very much a student crowd. Now our crowds, when you come to our playoff games, very much an adult crowd. Yeah. We don't get as many students coming to the games. And that's disappointing because I think they're losing out. I don't think the players lose out because the players are still playing in front of a packed sure. house. But I think the students lose out. And it's kind of funny. When they're in high school, it's not cool to go to the yeah, you know, to so go to the game and, when I was and yell and scream and cheer and chant and paint your face and all that. Yeah. Yet, as soon as they get out of here and go to college, college. what are they doing? They're <laughs> going to the game, shirts ripping off. their shirts off, painting <laughs> their face, going crazy, right? Right. right. It becomes okay. That's you know? true. I wish they could experience that in high school because years ago, like on a Friday night, that's where you met your friends. You met your friends at the game. Yep. 7.30 games over at 9.00. <laughs> And then you went and did whatever you were going to do on a Friday night, you know? I, but that I, was kind of the meeting point. I remember. That's changed a little bit. And you probably saw this recently. Well, you were probably involved with the CHSAA when Felipe Lopez was making his ascent, right? You had, I'm of Dominican descent. You had 
people with the with the drums and the the squeeze of the, 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 the flags, all yeah. of that, yep. right? Um, we we had a mild version of that when I was a student here at St. Raymond. We had a little section. We were making noise, doing all, all short of painting our faces, but we really got into our blue and orange, right? Um, those and you know you hear because I grew up in the '90s. That's where I can really focus and and attest to how impactful that experience you just talked about was, right? Um, it's it's a sad thing that these kids are not taking advantage of it, but I wonder if you guys have done any kind of outreach to understand what it's about. We try. We try. And my big thing with them is you're rushing out of here to go home and do what? Like if you were running home because you had a job or you're running home because you have to take care of your little brother or sister or something, yeah. perfectly understandable. Right. But most of them run home to do, do nothing. nothing. Not even you know? do their homework. Video right? games, you know, yeah. listen to music, whatever. So like my point is, there's only a few games a year, right? There's only a few, you know, how many home games do you play? 10, 12 yeah, home games? Yeah. Would it kill you? You know, come no. to a couple of them? Right. I think they miss out. I really do. Do you think, given given the nature of um, kids and their phones, right? Um, we hear it all the time. Kids are always on their phones. Do you think it would be a benefit to them to somehow incorporate those games into their device somehow? Well, we're trying. We have We have a number of schools now who stream their games. Yeah. So that you can you can see them, you know, really on any device. Um, we also started this year for the first time. We do a weekly CHSAA Player of the Week. Okay. We do Double A, we do A, and we do B. All three levels, mm -hmm. you know, varsity only. And the coaches can nominate their players based on how they played in the previous week. And then we have a little committee that, that picks the. The, the winner, and that's only done on social media. Okay. That's put out on, on Twitter, and it's put out on, you know, um, you know all the different uh, – uh, the, the league website, all the different social media platforms. The response to that has been tremendous. And that's through the CHSAA We account? do that ourselves, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, I haven't seen it. I, I am not – I am not You're a, not the guy. I'm not – I'm involved in picking the winner. Got it. I got a guy who got takes it. care of the, God bless. the technology for me because that is not my strong <laughs> yeah, suit. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I'm, I'm, you know, not completely, you know, in the dark either. I know that's the way to reach mm -hmm. kids mm -hmm. is through social media. So we're trying to do things. Every school is trying to do things yeah. to get to get students to come because once they come. They usually come they're, back. They're hooked. Yeah. Yeah. Once yeah. you see it in But it's person. just you got to get them to try. Like anything else, you got to get them to try it the first time. Right. So. You, um, you've been associated with the, the league for how long now? Oh, officially? Yeah, officially. Um, since 1982. Wow. But, but it really started before that. Um, when I was in the seventh and eighth grade, my, um, my baseball coach, um, my grammar school baseball coach, Worked at Marta Christie High School. Okay, where was that? That was where St. John's Prep is now. Okay. In Astoria. Yep, Queens. And so he used to take us during the winter. They have a gigantic gym. He used to take us to Marta Christie basketball games. And then when the games were over, he would let us hit and throw and stuff in the, in the gym. Okay. Well, those years, Marta Christie, they actually won back-to-back -back city champions, 78 and 79. They had um, a kid named Vern Fleming who wound up playing for the Indiana Pacers yeah. forever. They had a, a kid, another kid named Red Bruin who went to Syracuse, was an unbelievable high school player. 
uh, Phil Smith, Dwayne Johnson. I mean, you could go on and on. They, uh, they were coached by Jim Gatto, who was a legendary coach mm-hmm. in the league. And I would go to those games now as like a seventh and eighth grader, and I would watch them, and I couldn't believe how good they were. Like I was like, this is this is amazing, you know, how, this could, is amazing basketball. How how could so you're saying you're seventh and eighth grade, right, or, or seventh or eighth grade? How do you know that you're witnessing something great? Like what? frame of reference are you using at that time? Because that's relatively young. Yeah, well, I mean, we, like, we all played CYO and stuff. Okay. You know, back then there was no AAU, so you played CYO, you played for your parish against yeah. all the other parishes. And, you know, we thought we were, you know, the, we were the guys. And then we go out and see these guys. I mean, you know, it was it Okay, was so ridiculous. from your own kind of amateur play, you, yeah. you were able to compare. Yeah. Got it. And, and it was just exciting. It was exciting to watch them. And, and um uh, I can remember watching. Um, there was a kid in the league at that time named Glenn McMillan, mm. and he was a he was a great player. And he used to lead the layup line. Would come out, and they'd come running out, and he would have two balls in his hands, and he'd go up and he'd dunk both balls to start wow. to start the warmups. Wow, come on, I mean, <laughs> that's, you, that's, you <laughs> that's how you start the warmup. Yeah, and this is a high school kid. Yeah. I mean, this is not a, you know the NBA slam dunk contest. Yeah. It's a high school kid. Um, so I think I think that kind of started the, you know the 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 passion. And then when I was in college, I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to coach uh, JV basketball at Cathedral Prep in Elmhurst, mm. which was a very very small school. There was there was a hundred and five students in the school. The whole school, wow. The whole school, and um, but it was a CHSA school, and it was JV, and and they had no freshman team, so it was freshmen and sophomores combined. And um, I went, I, I was very, th- I was a sophomore in college, so I wasn't much older than the kids I was coaching. Mm. And I went to the uh, first day of tryouts. Back, th- back in those days, it was October 15th. And I was all, you know, all excited. And they even told me uh, when the, the, the priest who was in charge of the school, when he hired me, he said, listen, you know, don't have don't, too don't, high don't expectations. Don't get too excited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, he said, we haven't won a JV game in five years, you know, yeah. so don't worry about it. So, you know, I'm saying, whatever. Not win. Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go out, and it's the first day of tryouts, and um, I walk out, you know, time practice is supposed to start, and it's like 12 kids. Now, I'm used to tryouts Pack having, gym. you know. So I grab one of the sophomores, and I say, listen, where is everybody? And he kind of laughs, and, I, and I've remembered this all these years. He says, coach, he said, this is it. I said, this is it. I said, there's 12 of you. He says, well, he says, we don't really try out for the team. We join the team. <laughs> and I said, okay. So, all right, guys, let's go. Why don't we start with some layups? All right. And they're taking layups, and they're missing the backboard. And uh, and I stood there, and I said to myself, you know, that priest was right. I said, we are not going to win any games. Yeah, yeah. But we lost our first 17 games. And then, thank God, we found a school. We were playing a school named St. Paul's in Garden City. And God bless them. They were worse than we were. And we won. We won. Well, that van ride home after winning that game, you would have thought we won the championship. championship. Those kids were so excited. And then I was hooked on coaching. Yeah. And so 30 years later, I was, you know, I still I was still Involved. coaching. And then as I was coaching in 1998, they asked me if I would take over as the chairman, or some leagues called commissioner. In our league, we call it the chairman of the league. And so, from 1988 
to I, today, ninety eight yeah, till now. I'm still. Uh, I, I've been in. I've been in charge of the league. So you, it's been. A, it's been a long run. You've seen tons of McDonald's All Americans, amazing championship games. Um, what to you? And and I don't necessarily. Um, you probably can go even before you became the chair. Um, what was like the one that stands out for you? The one player. What one player? Okay, without question. <clears throat> Without question, the best player in my tenure, 30 whatever years that I've been in, 38 years that I've been in the league, without a doubt, was Kenny Anderson. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Kenny Anderson at Malloy was incredible. He had a very good career at Georgia Tech. He took them to the Final Four. He played in the NBA for a long time. He had a very nice NBA career. Nothing compared to what he was in high school. High school, school yeah. He was, he was a phenom. First of all, of course, Jack Curran was his coach. Yeah. And Jack Curran is as good a high school basketball coach as you could ever come across, mm -hmm. you know. And he was, at that point, you know, he had been there. I think he started, I think Jack started at Malloy at 58 in 58. And Kenny got to Malloy in 85, 86. Yeah. So Jack had already been there forever. So what Jack did was, he, you know, nobody ever brought freshmen to the varsity in those days. It just wasn't Yeah, it done, wasn't the thing, you know? yeah. Jack brought Kenny to the varsity as a freshman. But so that he wouldn't get a big head, he sat him out the first quarter of every game, the whole season. <laughs> and then he'd come in at the start of the second quarter, and he'd never go out again. Yeah, He'd play the last three quarters. And in those three quarters that he played, he dominated the game as a freshman. You could not guard the guy. I hear the stories, and I've seen his documentary, and the legend is alive and strong. I mean, I know he lives down south now, and even the people that I know down south that have exchanged pleasantries with him chronicle all the way back to kind of his high school days, like if they were here. Um, it's it's something that I, I wish I was around to see because I'd say it's always been the, the conversation that I had. And I asked players and people that come across like, who's the best player you've ever seen, right? And it's a toss-up between Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Kenny Anderson out of New York State. Yeah. Well, Lou Alcindor, I mean, he's the best player all league's ever produced. Mm -hmm. I didn't see him play. Yeah, of course. He's, he's before 60s me. 60s guy. Yeah. yeah, he was before me. But, but in my time, um, you know, Kenny, first of all, everywhere he played, the game was sold out. Mm -hmm. He never played in front of an empty seat. He was like in a, four a, years. our version of Zion back in that day. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, because back in those days, we used to have some playoffs at St. John's as well. Well, St. John's sat... Was six thousand yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, tons of folks. So, like, you know, I can remember one year they played Tallentine, um, in the in the semifinals, and they sold the place out, six thousand and eight seats. You know, and so, Tallentine was a powerhouse back oh, then, yeah. also, Malik right? Sealy yeah. and yeah. Brian Reese and Adrian Autry, yeah. and oh, what teams they had. <laughs> um, so, when Kenny graduated from Malloy, the president of our league, Ray Nash, he at the city championship, he gave Kenny's mother a bouquet of roses. To thank her because the league made so much money <laughs> with with Kenny playing in the Damn. league. So, <laughs> I mean, he was he was a phenomenon. He was he was incredible. The second one I would put in that category of of changing the league. Now, Kenny, you have to remember, Kenny won the city championship when he was a freshman. He won it again as a sophomore. His junior and senior wow. year, he did not win. Okay, I because they know couldn't that. they couldn't beat Christ the King. Christ the King was really good then, huh. but. Um, but he did win his first two years, which would be 86 and 87. Um, the next player I would put in that category of 
changing the dynamic of the league and shining a light on the league would be Felipe Lopez. Okay. Um, Felipe was amazing. Uh, uh, his whole story was amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, coming to this country, having to learn a new language, new culture, new customs, the whole nine yards. Um, they did a great job with him at Rice. He was a phenomenally talented player. Again, people want to judge him. You know, he went to St. John's. He had a very good career at St. John's. Yeah, yeah. St. John's people don't think he had a good enough career. Sure. He played a little bit in the pros. I mean, how many people could say that, you know? I mean, going so, to college, for I, t I say this a lot on the show. Your ability to play ball and get a D1 scholarship, to me, that's, that's really, a home run. That's the pinnacle. Yep. Everything else is gravy. Yep. Like, I, I don't But again, frown if on you that. take him back as a high school player, you know, just yeah. incredible. Yeah. And there was such a passionate following for him. I think it brought to our league a new segment of the population. Right. Yeah, new audience. You know, the fact that... that the Latino um, population grew. Exactly. Yeah. And like we talked about before with the, you know, with the flags and the music, the music and the yeah. whole nine yards, it was... A new he, flavor. He was like a show unto himself, mm -hmm. you know, cover Sports Illustrated, all this kind of stuff. Um, so I thought he was a very impactful player in the league as well. And and he certainly had a great career at Rice and... and um, um, so to me, those are the two names for the time that I've been involved. Um, you know, you go further back, there's so many names. Yeah, we could list them all day, but nobody, but nobody, but nobody could touch Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. I mean, he went to Powell Memorial. He lost one game in high school. I know. Um, he, he went to UCLA. He lost one, one game, game in college. Super spoiled guy. You know, <laughs> won championships at every level. Then he goes to the NBA. He won championship with the Bucks right at the end of Oscar Robertson's yep. career. Then he goes to the Lakers. He wins all those championships, MVPs, you know, every score, you know, lead, scoring leader, all time leading scorer. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, you could make an argument of him being one of the two or three best players in the history of the sport period. Yeah. You know, let alone in our league. That's so true. we can't, you know, it would be disrespectful to him to ever compare anybody. No, to I him. mean, just looking at the stats and just what, what he's done, it's hard. It's hard to argue. I, I, as a matter of fact, I, I regret not having gotten to see him play because you and back, I both <laughs> back in the days when he played, he played it at power. Okay, mm -hmm. they played like Rice, they played LaSalle, they played All Hollows. These are little tiny, tiny gyms, and I cannot imagine his at big his size. <laughs> playing in these little tiny gyms with everybody probably dying to get in to see him, it must have been insanity. Crazy. It must have been just insanity. And there's but, no real footage about that. Yeah, like, I no, haven't seen much. not too much. Um, the guy you'd have to talk to, you want to hear good uh, Lou Alcindor stories, is Tom Kachowski. Tom, yeah. Tom, Tom can tell you everything. <laughs> verbatim, pretty much, what uh, what went on. But I'm, I'm fascinated by, um, you, you mentioned uh, Jack Curran, uh, and his long tenure as coach, and I'd say his era and a little bit after him, you saw that that state that power staying power of coaches, right? They were there for fifteen, twenty, thirty, fifty years in some cases. Yep. Um, that there's been a huge turnaround. Um, I think the longest tenure coach, if I'm not mistaken, is maybe just over a decade at this point in the double A. Yeah, in the double yeah. A. Um, what what do you think that's attributed to? Well, I think part of it was age. Okay. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> But you're right. We had we had a, a long time where being a coach in the Catholic League was kind of like being Pope. You know, it was yeah. kind of like your job for life. And um, we had so many. I can remember really as a young guy going into coaches' meetings, 
and sitting around and and um, uh, looking at you know there's Jack Curran, um, there's Tom Murray from Cardinal Hayes, mm-hmm. there's Ray Nash from Bishop Ford, there's Tim Leary from St. Francis Prep, there's Donnie Kent from McClancy, um, there's John Carey from All Hollows. Mm-hmm. I mean the list goes on and on and on, and you're like in awe of these guys, you know. And for a long time, Jack Alisi at Severian, phenomenal coach, you know. Um, just I could Tons go on. Folks. I could go on the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, and there was very few changes for a long time, and then you know people started to retire. People moved on to other things, and so now we've had a, a, a almost a complete turnover yeah. in the league. Yeah. Um, in the Double A, we still have some coaches in the A division, like um, Fred Opper at Cardinal Spellman. Uh, has been there close to 40 years. Oh, okay. Um, Joe McGrain at Xavier has been there a very long time. Probably the 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 senior coach in the double A right now is Tom Frere at Mount St. Michael. Uh, he's probably uh he's probably been there the longest. He's he's probably closing in it's probably over 25 years now. Oh, so okay. he's but a, but a lot of the other coaches, it's two years, three years, four years. We have a couple first year coaches this year. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I look at that and I say you know, and this is just speculation. Obviously, I don't really know the inner workings, and every program is different. But to me, it's almost like there was a missed opportunity for the grooming that should happen in my mind from senior coach to their assistants, and provide, I guess, the the benefits to one day take over that seat. Right? Um, there's one. There's one thing where. You don't know if that person's ever going to get up off the chair, right? There's one, so the assistant is going to take whatever opportunity they can. But if you if you build a system, it's kind of like Popovich, right? I mean, Popovich, who knows when he's going to leave? He's right. been there for a long time, but he does empower his coaches and creates kind of the school of pop, right? Right. right. They are branching off and going into different directions, but um, I feel like that probably was missed, or or there op- those coaches' opportunities to find someone toward the twilight of their careers, maybe it was just something they weren't paying attention to or you know, really thought they needed to do. Yeah, well, no one wants to think about the twilight yeah, of their career, yeah, you yeah. know? And I, like, I can't tell you how many assistant coaches were at Malloy who thought they were going to be the one to take over for Jack sure, Curran, and sure. Jack just kept going, kept going and going. Plowing and down going. everybody. And honestly, if he hadn't gotten sick, he'd still Probably be still going, be you know? Um, same thing with Timmy Leary at St. Francis, you know? Um, and, and a lot of the guys. So I think that's part of it. Um, and, uh, but I think if you look, a lot of the schools, when they do hire, they stay in house. Yeah, that's true. You know, uh, they, they hire an assistant or they hire the JV coach or they hire a former player. Mm -hmm. They do try and stay in house so that there is some continuity, um, you know, along those lines in terms of philosophy, in terms of how the, the program should operate. And, and I think that's why, some schools, even though they change coaches, they remain successful mm-hmm. because, um, like, if you look even here at St. Raymond's, you know, Gary DeCesar, who was a phenomenal coach, he left. His assistant, Oliver, took Oliver, over. Right. Oliver left to go to college. They both left to go to college. Right. And now George, George Lopez took over. But it was always in-house. It was, exactly. Right. And I think that's why they've had, you know, tremendous success all through that, you know, throughout time. And you could, I could go through a lot of schools and show you the same thing. That's awesome. Well, I mean, that's good because I, I wasn't thinking about it that way, but that, that actually is a good if, – if you can't have it the other way, that's probably a great next opportunity there. Um, let's talk a little bit about present day. So 
not much has changed, I'd say, in the last 10 years as far as the construct of the league and kind of the flow of everything. Obviously, the ups and downs of teams and that rotation. A a few things stand out to me. Obviously, we're talking literally present day right now, and I don't know when this is going to air, so it might change by that time. But (laughs) um, St. Raymond's is number one. Right now, St. Raymond's is in first. Um, In their division. We have two divisions. divisions. In their division. Um, I look at that, and granted, I'm, I'm proud of that. But I look at their team and I say, I say how, not because I don't believe in Coach Lopez or the team, their stature, the size of those players, they have very little height, right? Comparatively speaking. You don't have people that you look at that team, you're like, wow, okay, this kid's like 6'8", 6'10". You don't have, you, Gary's probably the tallest kid in the same race right. squad, right? So the fact that, that that's already coming in, to me, that's a red flag. And I've seen them a few games already, and that height doesn't even matter. The way they spread that defense and, and kind of play up to whoever it is, it's, it's really gratifying for me to see because I know the will of the team, there is a bond, a cohesiveness that has been built and a culture from that. I would attribute that to Coach Lopez, but those individuals know the value of grouping up and creating team. Okay, that's my Raymond spiel. Now, um, I see the same kind of thing with Coach Mazzaroni and Stepanak. They have a little bit more height, but that cohesion, his coaching philosophy I think is phenomenal. I know he's still a relatively young coach in the ranks, but what he's accomplished in, what, three years now? I think is, I don't know. You would know better, but I think he's probably the fastest to do all the different things that he's done, right? Um, How do you look at the league now? And what is what are your thoughts as far as like the future aspirations of the league? Because I think you guys are in, a, are in a great place, but when you compare it to his, you know, the history of it, it's probably not. It, it, you know, you're, you're probably comparing apples to oranges because the history is so deep and rich. Right. Well, one of the things I really like right now is the fact that we have the three different levels. Okay. Okay. Um, the the double A, the A, and the B, mm-hmm. so that everybody in our league gets a competitive schedule. Years ago, it wasn't like that. Right. You know, years ago, everybody remembers the good old days, but like poor Cathedral Prep that I talked about before, yeah, yeah, yeah. they had to play Malloy. Ouch. You know, that's a 100-point loss. That's easy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> there was no reason for that. Yeah. So by playing intersectionally, you know, in other words, all 31 teams were able to have three terrific divisions. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of the attention and a lot of what we talked about today has been the double A, which is great. But the A and the B divisions are also terrific. Mm -hmm. Um, That's number one. Number two, basketball has changed so much. Um, The three-point line changed the game forever. Mm -hmm. The shot clock, which we play, we play that. We don't have to, but we choose to play it. Um, That's changed the game. I think the shot clock has changed the game for the better. Mm-hmm. I think the three-point line has changed the game for the worse. I, I'm with you. That's my own opinion. I'm with you. Um, I, I do enjoy but, it because I don't have a choice now. That's what it is. Right. But I agree with you. Yeah. But the problem is everybody can shoot threes, but not everybody makes threes. Yes. <laughs> so Huge distinction. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, but what that's allowed for is it's a much more wide-open game. It's a game where ball handling, shooting, Passing are really at a premium. Mm-hmm. Size, posting up, even in the NBA, you just don't see it as much That's right. anymore. That's right. Even though they do have big guys in the NBA. Now everybody wants to be a stretch four mm-hmm. and stand out at the three-point three three point line, line and fire from there. You know, 
It's the same thing in our high school. You walk into any any gym, from the littlest kids to high school college players, and you know in those first few minutes before the coach blows the whistle, yep. watch what they're doing. At the three point they're line, they're firing threes. Yep, they're firing threes. Nobody's working on anything. They're firing threes. That's what they want to do. So that's really changed the game. But it's kind of leveled the playing field a little bit. Where if you have a good team of guys that can handle the ball and can make shots and are willing. Like you said, you have that attitude that you're willing to share the ball um, and and you're willing to give up a shot for a better shot. Mm -hmm. If you can get that and you can get them to play hard, you can win. Yeah. You can win. And, um, you know, you mentioned you mentioned St. Raymond's. They currently have four guys on a team averaging in double figures. I know. Well, if you're the other coach trying to prepare for them, it makes it very difficult. very difficult. Because you can take one guy away. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could take two guys away. But to try and take four guys away is really tough. Yeah. You know? And and that's to me a sign of a good team. The easier team to play is, you know, one guy scores thirty and everybody else scores six. Mm-hmm. You know? That team to me is easier to play against than a team where everybody can Pretty do a even. little bit, you know? Yeah. Because uh um you don't get hurt by one of them having a bad night then. Because the other three or four can pick can, it up. Exactly. Um, so I think that's I think that's changed things a little, but um, but in terms of competitiveness, in terms of how hard the teams play, athleticism, the athleticism, uh, the speed of the game, our current league would trump the be, previous ones exactly. Yeah, I exactly. Agree with that. Maybe not skill level, right? Um, or or but, maybe but, IQ, but size, right. speed, yeah. all that stuff, definitely athleticism. It's it's an, it's incredible watching what some of these kids can do. Are there any uh, things that we should be looking out for in the future? Oh, the New York State Championship is that coming down now this this year? It absolutely is. So it's at Fordham. That's huge news. That's big. The New York State. Uh, it's called the Federation Tournament Federation. of Champions. Yes. Okay. There are four leagues in New York State. The CHSAA. I, see, I, I think I just got you excited. I see you just per- <laughs> you perked up. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. And I happen to be the tournament director. Ah, so, there it is. So there that's is. another job. That's it. I got lots of jobs. <laughs> um, but the the CHSAA, the PSAL, mm-hmm. which is all the public schools within the five boroughs, yep. the PHSAA, which is all the public schools in the rest of the state, except for the five boroughs, mm-hmm. and then the independent schools. Uh, like the charters and that kind of like, like wings? Uh, no, no. Wings is public. Okay. Um, like... Dalton, Fieldston, oh, okay. Hackley, got it, got Long it, got Island it. Lutheran, yep. Albany Academy. Those are all independent. Okay. The champions of those four leagues in the AA, in the A, in the B, boys and girls, will meet this year at Fordham the last weekend in March, and we will crown six champions. Now, this tournament's been going on for 30-plus years, and it's always been either in Glen Falls or in Albany. And it's mostly in Glens Falls. Yeah. And the people in Glens Falls are phenomenal. And they put on a wonderful tournament. But the majority of teams that play in the tournament are downstate teams. Yeah. And it's a long drive to go up there mm-hmm. to watch a game. So the attendance is not great. So it, it almost feels anticlimactic because you play a city championship in front of a sold-out Fordham. And now you go upstate to play a state championship. Crickets. Which should be... Yeah, more interesting, elevated, you know, experience. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't draw. So we're hoping by bringing it down here 
you know, like a couple years ago, we had that famous Stepanak Long Island Lutheran game, you know, which was an incredible. That was in the semifinals, mm-hmm. um, controversial ending the whole thing. That game was played in front of hardly anybody. Wow. Well, if we were to have a Stepanak Long Island Lutheran game this year, Fordham would be sold out. It's going I think. viral. Yeah. So <laughs> um, we're looking forward to it. We think it's going to be a great experience for both the. I, I I don't really run the girls' league, but we think it's going to be great for the boys' league and the girls' league. We think it's going to be great for New York City fans to have an opportunity to come because, again, to drive three hours, you know, is not really practical for some people. Yeah. Um, but to, you know, to hop over to Fordham is, yeah. is certainly doable. Easy. And um, I think it's going to be great. Listen, I got some yellow tape in my bag, so I'm going to give it to you so you can already reserve my three seats. Yeah. <laughs> Just same three seats is fine. Yeah. I don't care what they I know. are. I've already heard that from a few people. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm going to have a lot of friends. You're going to have a lot of friends. <laughs> yeah. um, what a... When I when I think about you know when we talked a little bit about it earlier, you've got the prep schools, you've got um, the basketball academies, um, kind of competing with traditional high school basketball for talent, right? Um, how how does the league approach competing? Because I hate to use that word because I know you guys are more than just about the basketball, right? Because right? you you open by saying it's an extension of the the school, right? These prep programs in large part, well, maybe not the prep programs. There's a huge academic component to that. But the basketball academies in particular, that's really all they focus on. Um, how does a parochial school compete with, with that for it's, talent? It's difficult. We need to rely on the adults giving the kids good advice. Mm-hmm. If you're a student who's playing in our league, okay, Let's look at R.J. Davis. He's a, he's a perfect Phenomenal example. kid. Okay? Yeah. He's played at Stepanak his whole career. Okay, He's gotten a terrific education at Stepanak. He's, he's an honor student, by the way. He's, de- <laughs> he's developed into a phenomenal basketball player at Stepanak. He's gotten as much media attention as humanly possible. Yep. Okay? When he sneezes, it's on a low HUD. That's right. You know? um, he's been named the McDonald's All-American. He's going to the University of North Carolina. What more could have happened for him had he left, let's say, at the end of his sophomore year or at the end of his junior year to go to one of these basketball factories? Mm -hmm. Where would he be that he couldn't be from Stepanek? Right? He could still be a McDonald's All-American. He could still be going to Carolina. He could still be a good student. But... Would that be, you know, he, he had that already. Yeah. Like, I think he made a great choice staying. Some kids buy the hype. Sure. You know, and what, what bothers me is there's a perception that if I go to one of those schools, my level is going to go up. So if I'm an Atlantic 10 player and I'm only being recruited by, I'm a junior. Okay, and I'm only being recruited by Atlanta 10 schools. And now I decide, you know what, I'm an ACC player or a Big East player. So I go off to my prep school or my basketball, basketball factory. factory. Mm-hmm. You know what's going to happen at the end of that year? A-10, baby. You're still in the A-10. You're still in A-10 player. And, that, and I think um, if, if, you're, if you poll graduates, I bet you they'll come back and say, you know what, that's right. And in the in, in in the meantime, what did you lose now? You didn't gain anything. What did you lose? Well, first, you don't get to graduate 
with your friends, your people, with yeah. your class that you spent all this time with. Second, you don't have any real affiliation because you went one oh, year to this true. school, you know, and how tied are you to that school? You know, mm. whereas when you, like, you know, from here, you yeah, go four years to a high school, you're it for life, yeah. you know, and, and, and you feel like you're a part of something bigger than you, you yeah. know. I think kids miss out on that. I think missing out on senior year, missing out on on the prom, missing out on graduation, missing out on senior cut day, or yeah. whatever, you know, whatever it is that the, I, I, you can't get that back someplace else, mm-hmm. you know. So I think in a lot of cases, these kids have people in their ears telling them, "Oh, you got to go here, you got to go here. You're being disrespected. You're not you're not getting the offers you should be getting." You could be. very rarely does a kid at the end of his junior year, who's an Atlantic Ten player. Go to prep school, and now all of a sudden he's an ACC player. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't have happened if he stayed where he was. Listen, we have terrific coaches. Our coaches don't just coach from March, you know, from uh, November to March. You it's know, year round. they coach year round. Mm-hmm. And we have most of the schools have weight and conditioning people and nutritionists, and we're doing everything we can to pr- give these athletes the best chance to being successful. I'm not so sure that they can get. And they may get nicer facilities. Yeah. Okay. And they may nice get atmosphere, and they may cases. get more gear and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because those schools are all sponsored by sneaker companies, right. where ours aren't. But I don't know if that's worth giving up everything you're giving up. So I wish the adults in these kids' lives would step up and say, you know what, you really don't need to do that. You're good where you are, and you're going to be successful coming from that school because look at all the other people that have come from that school that have been successful. Yeah. And you're going to be the next one in that line. And you're going to be part of that legacy. And you're always going to be part of that school's history. Mm-hmm. You know? I when I, when I totally understand what you're saying, and I, I largely agree. Where I think there are some exceptions to be made are, and I think there are unique cases where, for instance, you might have a, child, a young man who is failing miserably. That's different. Academically, that's different. Terrible. Right. right. No, totally. Right. That's not a basketball decision. Exactly. That's, that's a, an academic that's an decision. Academic. That I can respect. And I'm talking kids that make it for strictly purposes. as a basketball decision. Right. right. No, 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 totally. So in those cases, anyway, from the academic perspective, if there is really a situation away from that school that they've been going to where they can get a better opportunity to graduate at a higher level, and it just so happens that basketball is a part of that as well, Go for it. Or their environment where they live is also destructive where they have to be removed from that element to, to really survive. I could live with that too. Those, I, but, I, but I agree with you. I don't think those. that's the majority of the reason. No, I not. think that's the, the small amount in the grand scheme of things. That's the exception, not the rule. Exactly. Coach, um, coach, commission. Well, whatever. That's you, you, a little you, bit of everything. You've played all those roles. Yeah, I have. I have. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Well, thank uh, thank you. you for sitting with us. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Anytime. All right, man. Uh, I'm coming to all those games, and uh, you're going to see me on Friday, too, when uh, the Ravens take on the Hayes. Final Hayes, big game. Yeah, big rivalry game. game. All right, man. Take care. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dribbling Dimes. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or comment wherever you're listening to us now. Check us out on social media as well. We're live on Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. On all platforms, you can find us at D R I B B L E N D I M E S.